hello, beautiful people, wherever you are in time, space, or on the globe. Welcome, welcome to the Celluloid Pudding Podcast. My co-host Beth and I, Sam, we're both here with our wonderful guests, power couple extraordinaire, Thomas and George. Thomas and George, welcome to our show. Thank you. Hey, Thomas and George. Thank you for coming on. How long have you two been together? Well, we met in 1997. We were legally married in 2008 in the state of California. The Proposition 8 was voted November of that same year. We kept our marriage legal, even though it was legal by the Supreme Court. And what year was that? 2015. That's when Don and I finally legally got married. The, The anniversary that we celebrate the most is our 1997 anniversary. So we've been together 25 years, going on 26 years. You beat the average. It's a significant number. It really is. Thank you. I think of all the couples whose weddings I've been to, and Donna and I are still together, and none of the couples that of the weddings we went to are together, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when we first got married in 2008, you know, there was a very politically charged atmosphere. And I can't tell you the number of people, including close friends, who, you know, because at that point we'd already been together 11 years, and people – would say, so are you guys getting married because you want to or just, just to make a statement? And after a while, I started to say, you know what? We got married for the same reason everyone else did, for the gifts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel really shortchanged. I'm <laughs> for the I'm tester not- oven, damn it. <laughs> Needed that blender, that Nutribullet. <laughs> I hope there are lots of straight people listening out here today because I, I think that we're going to cover some topics that not every couple faces. In two different ways, we have a a culture clash, maybe three ways, a generation clash and uh, a general social acceptance clash in the film we're covering. Right. What is that film, Beth? Because we didn't we didn't didn't adjust the film. We're doing the wedding banquet. Ang Lee's The Wedding Banquet. Part of his what did you call it, Thomas? His father knows best trilogy. So this this film came out in 1993. Had both of you seen it? Well, strangely, I saw it as a pre-screening before it was actually released, because at the time I was working for an Asian AIDS organization in New York City. And um, that was the beginning of a lot of Asian activists in the country. For the longest time, Asians were put under the category other. I think it was the Ryan White Title I money gave, I think it was a billion dollars to nonprofits, the... RFPs, that's a request proposal, said that this money was available for black organizations and Latino organizations. They completely left out Asians. That's quite an omission. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Or they put us under this category called other. And so we started a movement called Other No More. So we were we were given a screening because they wanted to know if there was any cultural insensitivity, and they wanted to know from this panel exactly how we felt about the movie. And, and what did you think? <laughs> did did you think they got it right? We all loved the film. We thought yeah. that it was. Um, but there were, of course, there's always going to be something that's a little bit of stereotype here and there. Yeah. But I mean, we're humans. We come with stereotypes. We, we do. Sorry, but. We- I want to ask George, do you have family elsewhere? Is all your family here in America, or is it just your ethnicity? Well, my parents both came from China. Yeah. And my father came here in 1939, and wow. shortly thereafter was uh, drafted into the Second World War. So he oh, served wow. in the Navy for this country. And after the war, like a lot of 
men back then of uh, Chinese descent, went back to the mainland. Actually, he went back to Hong. Well, actually, he went back to the mainland to China yeah. and brought back a wife, and then started his family. I'm the youngest of five children, and I grew up in New York City. Do you want to share your your special fame issue with us, George, or should we leave that out? Which special fame issue? Oh, the fact that I went to the school, high school of performing arts. Yes. Yes. Remember my name. You're going to remember your name, George. Yes. Of all the children that my parents had, this one had to be artistic and gay. What can I say? (laughs) You know, Sam and Beth, I don't know if you're, are you the same age as Sam and me? Sam and Sam and I are the pretty much the same age. I think we're all in the ballpark. I, I just, yeah. I just so turned 58 the funny, the, in February. The funny thing about this whole fame business is that it was kids our age that that movie was such that was way more impactful for because George is six years older than us, so he was already <laughs> you know he was like already you know more like a young adult by the time that movie came out. We were young teenagers, and that movie was major. It was every every child begged, please, please. But I know you have you have lots of talent, don't you, George? What's your main instrument? I play the clarinet. And and Thomas, you're no slouch either. You you play an instrument as well. Yeah, but so for you know the the back to the fame thing. So like for every kid, especially, and I think the I know Sam, and I don't know about Beth, but I know that Sam and I were both heavily involved in theater yes. in high school. Yes, and, of course, and geeks. All, all that kind of stuff. And so for kids like us, like that movie was major. So when I met George, I met him during a road trip and halfway through the road trip, I discovered he'd gone to the high school performing arts and my eyes just grew like, you know, 10 times bigger. And I was just, <laughs> so I just was pelting him with questions and, you know, tell me about Sadie, the lunchroom lady. Was it really neat? And he goes, no, tell him, tell him about Sadie, the lunchroom lady. There was not Sadie, the lunchroom ladies, but there were these um, security people. We called them whoopee ladies. Okay. Whoopee ladies? Inside, very inside language there. We called them whoopee ladies because, like, if you tried to sneak out of the school, there was always a whoopee lady there to make sure you didn't leave. <laughs> <laughs> like, right in the middle of Times Square. Very I thought sweet. there was unbridled freedom and constant collaboration and singing and dancing in the streets. Oh, my, right, but so. my point is that he said, and let's see if he contradicts himself now, but he told me that the lunch hour was exactly like they showed it. People, they would they would eat their lunch and then shove the tables out of the way yeah. and then blast music and dance. It was pretty much like that scene in the movie. Oh my yes, God, that's my that. dream, or was. So George and I had been, had been together a number of years, and then along came the time for, for your 25th reunion, right? He graduated in 78, so do the math, whatever, yeah. however many years yeah. earlier that was. So a couple of weeks before his reunion, I was like, okay, well, so what, what, you know, what should I wear to your reunion? And he's like, well, you're not going, are you? And, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, it's not going to be very interesting. It's not, you know, it's whatever. So he didn't let me go. Well, I don't yeah, think I'd I, forgive that. Really Wait, I didn't how could you not go to the fame reunion? Thomas, you didn't go. I didn't George, go. You didn't? It, out, it really turns out I didn't miss much. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it took place at the new school, which is behind Lincoln Center. Yeah. It's a gigantic, gigantic school now. And when I went to performing arts, the entire school, four grades of high school, there are about 125 kids per class. Okay. So and that was music, drama, and dance. That's a small class. So I think only 12 people showed up to that 25th 
the Union. Oh, that's a shame. Oh. I still want to know how, what kind of road trip were you guys on How that you met? <laughs> well, I had what, just, wanted... I, I was living in Los Angeles and I had just moved to the East Coast to go to law school. And so I, I did my first semester of law school down in DC. And then my cousin, who was a close friend of George's, called me in the fall and he said, well, I'm going to be road trip. I'm going to be coming to New York to stay with my friend George. And then the two of us are going to get in his car, drive to Nova Scotia for Christmas. We probably shouldn't get too far off topic here, but this is just another. George, a born and bred New Yorker, raised in the city, had only recently moved to Brooklyn, where he decided he wanted to have a, be a car owner and a driver. So at the age of 36, 37, George took drive. Now, you turned 38 when I knew you. Oh, okay. So um, he was 36, 37, got his first driver's license, and he learned to drive literally from his friends who drove cabs for a living. Well, that that's oh, wow. a real lesson, then, if you can drive in New York and learn from the cabbies. In the world. Yeah. It, 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 this road trip was exciting, let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had only gotten my driver's license literally two months before the road trip. Okay, so it was a white-knuckle drive for you, Thomas, or, or you, you well, were smitten was, by his fame, fame? <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I was. It, it was fine. We, we, he let me drive sometimes, so we traded off. Was there a smooch under the mistletoe? We, yeah, you know. kind of, yeah, we kind of hit it off about halfway through the trip, and uh, here, we are, here we are today, twenty-five years later. The night that I met George, I mean, so like you know, unlike this whole wedding banquet business, I mean, I walked right in because George was living in a brownstone that he had purchased with his parents. It was like a joint real estate venture, Ooh. and he'd so they. They, they had gone in together on this brownstone in Brooklyn that had three apartments. So yeah. George occupied one apartment, his parents occupied another, and then they had they had tenants in the third. So I walked right into this household, to this Chinese American household, and you know met his parents like the same night I met George. That's course, that's a lot, isn't it, to meet the parents on the same journey? Well, and it was just it, it was fascinating because. George brought me up into his, his mom and dad's apartment because his mom and dad had like the classic Chinese cooking stove, like with this, you know, this huge cooking stove with like this, you know, this wok built into the stove that you could get to okay. the yeah. degrees. It was crazy. And so George <laughs> was making this fabulous dinner and mm. his dad, who's no longer with us, but Johnny was very gregarious and, you know, very social. And so he welcomed me right in. Aww. That's he, nice. uh, you know, he, and his, his 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 very broken English just told me all sorts of funny stories, like right off the bat. He's like, you know, Georgie cooking very good. I teach Georgie cooking. He very good. His mother, no good. No good. <laughs> his mother, no good. <laughs> Did mom like you too? No, mama never warmed up to me. No. Oh, okay. long story. Long story. Okay. I don't. Well, yeah, but that's but it's germane to the topic that we're discussing. No, I'll, I'll let you tell them about Mama Jen. Mama Jen was weird. I mean, ever since I could remember, she says, you marry, get baby. You marry, have baby. Okay. Uh, up to her dying day, she was just like, you marry, have baby. I mean, it was just constant. Oh, so she you can relate to this. How, how old did she were you when she started the You Must Procreate campaign with you? <laughs> as long as I can remember, probably like when I was three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, they tell them now. It's a lot of pressure, George. It, it really is. <laughs> and it shows in the movie that when it, that's yeah. a, a big theme in the movie is yes. the mother is like, you know, you have to you have to give us a grandchild. I mean that happens 
That's not only Chinese families, of course, but particularly strong. But but they really emphasize the guilt in the movie, don't they? We open with our main character, and that's played by Winston Chow, who plays Wai Tung. Am I saying that correctly? Mm -hmm. And uh, his mother is so weak that she can't even pick up a pen, she tells her son. And the, the guilt is laid on from there, right? And your father is not well, and we just want to be able to have our grandchild and Wai Tung is not coming out yet, is he? How old do you think they are? Uh, Wai Tung at that time, I think he's early 30s, if that. I thought it's. I thought the script actually said something about he's 28, 28 yeah. or 30. Okay, then yeah, I'm, I'm very offended that the parents are considered really elderly <laughs> in this movie. They're like 60, right? Well, I have a funny, a fun story to share you about the guilt issue. Yeah. I had a very close friend call me one day after the movie. It's a different movie, of course. The Joy Luck Club came out. Great film. Oh, I love that film. And he said, George, this is the second call I'm making after seeing this movie. The first call was to my mother to tell her, Mom, thank God we're only Jews. <laughs> I need a much worse with guilt. <laughs> Thomas, uh, I'm curious, when when did you see the film and what was your reaction to it? Did you see it when it came out? I think it's funny. I, I don't I think I don't think I saw it right when it came out. I saw it later with George. So, you know, probably like five, six years after it came out. So I felt everything in it because our, knowing George and knowing his family and the, and the pressure that his parents had been putting on him, his mom, especially about you know, get married, have baby. The apartments that they sh- that they had were separate from each other, but then it was it was a little bit of an open door policy. I mean, uh, you know, they each came and went from the other's apartment a lot. So when I'd be staying over, I would travel up on weekends to visit George, and uh, you know, George and I would be sleeping in bed or whatever, and I'd hear a rustling in the hallway outside the bedroom, and George would be like, "It's my dad." This is awkward, and then I would hear Johnny outside, you know, out in the hall, going, "Sorry." No, he was. My dad was good about it. I don't, but I don't, do you think you, he, your dad was cool uh, about it? I have one question about like the new neighborhoods. They mentioned Williamsburg, and where exactly is Williamsburg located? Like, which borough is that in? In Brooklyn, and at that time when the movie was made, it was a very Jewish neighborhood. Now Williamsburg <laughs> is one of the hippest neighborhoods in the country, and completely gentrified and different. But okay. it wasn't that that's what I wondered. In the era of the movie, it was not. It was very warehousey. How, how's your Mandarin, okay. George? Did you? Oh, um, I, I come from an era where most of the Chinese immigrants to America spoke Cantonese because okay. they're from southern, the southern part of China. Forgive my ignorance on that. I, I wondered if. Oh yes, growing up as a child, if you heard Mandarin spoken in Chinatown, heads turned. Oh, okay. And now. It, that's mostly what you hear. <laughs> oh, ma- ma- you hear Mandarin more commonly than you do Cantonese? Oh, one time I went to uh, Joe Shanghai to get some soup dumplings. And I, whenever I go to Chinatown, I love using my Cantonese because I know it and I get to practice it. Yeah. And the waiter looked at me and says, speak English, please. Oh, please oh no. And he did not understand my Cantonese at all. Oh, God. I know. I was really bummed. There was a there's a particular scene, and we'll get to it. And I thought of you guys, uh, and and I know I've had this situation being married to a German as well, and not knowing the language very well. And I don't, I don't know how well you speak Cantonese, Thomas. They receive a phone call from uh, White White Tongue's parents in the middle of the night. 
uh, with some urgent news. And when Waitung hangs up, he says to Simon, did you get that? And Simon says, unfortunately, yes. And I wonder if you guys have the same sort of language barrier issues when dealing with extended family where one of you sort of feels outside the other. I actually, I'm pretty good with languages, and I actually yes. took a class in Cantonese mainly so that I could understand how to speak more correctly because it's a tonal language, and so you have to understand the tones and the relationship mm. between the words with the tones that you use. Because before I took this class, like I would say, George would teach me a phrase and I would say it, but no one would ever understand it, and that's because <laughs> he didn't like he did he didn't have a mathematical process for showing me the tones. But then when yeah. I went to the class. They actually laid them out for me. They said, this is, this is one through six. And then, so this syllable here is a three and the syllables a five. And so I could, I could do that. Whereas George just speaks it natively. Yeah. So he just kind of hears it and says it, but he can't tell me, well, that's a four or a two. I understand. So, so I can every now and again, like I can pick out little bits and pieces, but you know, but of course, like if, if, if they're having any manner of a lengthy conversation, I'm pretty lost, but it doesn't bother me at all. I love hearing other languages spoken and I love I love hearing George speak his second native language or his first native language oh. probably, probably oh. knew Chinese before he knew English so I love hearing it that's wonderful next I, time we have a fight I'll try to make sure I say it in Cantonese <laughs> you know what? since you since you brought I, I have something to say I got okay. something to say okay all right you, say it say it up since you brought up that scene mm. In, of the phone call in the middle of the night. I have, I have something, I have something to say here. Okay. That phone call in the middle of the night. All right. So he gets the phone call. He's on, you know, whatever. And then so they show Simon, the white boyfriend, gets out of bed and goes and pees. Mm-hmm. And so of course the camera follows Simon to the bathroom and shows him standing there peeing. Okay. So my question for everyone is why all the peeing? Why is it? You know what? That's not the only, you're, you know, standing to urinate scene. There's another one. Why? And it doesn't, it doesn't further the plot whatsoever. And I, I have, I have a beef to pick with all these filmmakers with the insisting on showing people peeing. I don't, I don't get it. I'm, I'm over it. I call for, and end to it. You're a little squeamish about such things. I know that about you, Thomas, and and relegate that to the filth department. But otherwise, we'd get a lot of a lot less screen time with Simon. A lot of it focuses on Y Y and on Y Tong, on his parents, on uh, on that life. But I think he does well, doesn't he? Simon doesn't have a lot of dialogue, but he expresses a, a lot with his eyes and his body language and when he's about finished with this whole scenario. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I could, I could, you know, I could have lived with, you know, they could have shown Simon calling his friend or something like that. I don't need to see Simon peeing, but <laughs> no, more with Steve, maybe shooting hoops or something. I, that, I think they just wanted to show the male buttocks in profile. Wait, do we see? I didn't think we saw anything like that in this film. I, I, I was trying to see what I was seeing because I, I kind of felt the same way. In fact, I don't think I noticed that he was peeing <laughs> during that scene <laughs> as much as I was reading subtitles and sort of listening to the conversation. Yeah, but then, there was there there were sound effects and everything. It was like just I don't I don't yes. get it. And it, it's a huge thing in movies and TV shows. This whole pee, I don't I just don't understand. On the on the note of Simon, are you all aware that his so the actor's name Mitchell Lichtenstein? He's Roy Lichtenstein's son. Oh, That's, no kidding! I wondered about that. 
Yeah. I did wonder about How that. How do I know that name? I'm sorry. Who's Roy Lichtenstein? Sort of comic guy, right? Uh, or, mm-hmm. or style. Art? Yes, this one. Uh, oh gosh, how can I explain it, Thomas? Uh, sort of dramatic comic style, but writ large frames of art? Yeah, you can Google, if you Google it, you'll see, you'll, you'll, you'll recognize his, his drawings. Okay. Yeah. yeah he's his famous guy, but, um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Simon is one of the, or Mitchell, Lichtenstein is one of the few, if any, he may be the only, um, openly gay actor in the movie. Okay. Oh. Now, now I do know that the guy who plays, uh, let's see, Winston Chow, who plays Wai Tung, he was just an airline steward, had never acted a day in his life before he came to Ang Lee's attention. And we don't know his, I mean, I don't know his, his background, his sexual orientation or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, well, I researched, I researched it because these things are important to me for some yeah. reason. And yeah. at least he's not, he's not. Uh, gay, that I, at least that, not that I found. So I, yeah, I, I, cause I, I, when I, when I heard that Ang Lee had recruited him off of, you know, off of an airline, I thought, oh, well, you know, talk about stereotypes. Flight attendant, gay man, yeah, okay, sure. But no, that's not what I guess was. I'm so guilty I, of that for having, I, because the kisses look pretty convincing to me in the film. You, you, you ever heard of gay for pay? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I there, I've never heard a lot anybody of can, say it in a conversation, but yes, I, I do understand. There's a lot of things you can do to trick with the camera. You can just sort of move your face over. They're not really kissing, or they might might have been really kissing. Who knows? But. Well, there's a lot of things that do for a hundred grand or however much you got paid. For <laughs> that way. That's more of a commentary on straight men, don't you think? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Don't it do is. anything about money. But but Simon looked a little bit. Still stuck in the 80s to me, his his look. I'm trying to remember. Early 90s, still this this style? The trousers certainly did look like they were stuck in the, the late feathered 80s. hair and the... Yeah, kind very, of. Also, like the... High-volume trousers. Um, I guess, maybe. Well, there were... Yeah, and the, on this last... I, t- I took notes here about the things I wanted to... We, we keep leading up to the, to the next points that I was playing. Okay, the, the, I try not to talk too much, but I did enjoy... The, cause we just watched it last week and so I enjoyed the flashbacks to the early nineties cause it's an, it's an era that I identify with strongly in terms of, you know, becoming a young, you know, becoming an adult in my own right. And I was a big activist in the day. So seeing Simon at the act up booth. Yes. That was, uh, that, that was a throwback for me too. Big time. Yeah. Well, and something else that was really interesting from that was, so, you know, jumping forward to the part of the movie where they have the wedding night mm. and then let's see what way, way essentially, essentially sexually assaults. Yes. She's yeah. pretty forward, aggressive. Him and basically takes advantage of him and do this thing. And so, you know, and then of course, when it comes out that they had done this because she's pregnant, mm. The first thing that Simon, practically the first thing Simon says when he has his tantrum, because he's like, he's, you know, outraged yeah. that his boyfriend had, you know, so-called cheated on him. Yeah. But what, but what he says was, and you had unsafe sex. Yeah. Talk about irresponsible, unsafe sex. And, and here yeah. he, they're activists for awareness. And yeah, that came through loud and clear. And I wonder if a younger generation would get how important that is. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't I don't think so too. I mean, I came of age as like a as a person was a sexual person and like it never ever would have occurred to me I'd have to have any kind of mucous membrane contact 
yeah. at least with the nether regions. I mean, that was so forbidden. You know, forbidden. Yep. Yeah. But I would yeah. never, ever do that. And I remember it, it was kind of funny. And I remember what's, what's the word like when you have an issue and then you put it on someone else project, projecting. I would project that yeah. onto all my, onto my straight friends too. Like, you know, like so, you know, especially like a, a woman friend of mine would tell me about some encounter she had. And like the first thing I would say was, well, did you use a condom? And if she would say no, I'd be like, well, what? And like, yeah. not even, not even really thinking about the pregnancy aspect, but just thinking about this, yeah. like in this day and age with everything that's out there, how could you possibly do that? The amount of hubris among the straight community, you know, like, oh, that's the, you know, the gay disease. And, and, and it really took a while for, for society all, you know, globally to catch up with the idea that, hey, this is everybody's problem, not a particular group. And, it must have been very frustrating. So the, yeah, so that was a that was a throwback. But I thought that was very interesting how his how he immediately jumped to that as his problem with the whole thing that happened. But also, he'd been trying to keep. Let's let's tell our audience members a little bit a sort of nutshell plot. So we have yeah, just we have a, a this kind of yuppie guy. Would you say a yuppie? Yes. And he's Taiwanese, and his family, his mother and father, lived back in Taiwan. Which is, I think, by this time, a pretty liberal or one of the more liberal, can we say, country, or is it still part of the People's Republic? No, I, I, it, it, it's the most liberal country in Asia. And yet, his parents' dearest wish is for him to find a suitable woman and to give them that grandbaby, right? Must have the grandbaby. And first strike, again, I don't know if it's the first or second strike, but uh, Wai Tung has hooked up with or his partner is a white man. And secondly, is the second part of that, that phrase, man. And he's just reluctant to come out to his parents. He, he doesn't want, you know, they're, they're always leaning on, we're frail. Your father's had a stroke. I can barely lift this pen. So he's got a lot of filial guilt and worry going on, doesn't he? I can't fulfill their wishes. Uh, there's also a status built in there, too, because his father was a very important person. He's a commander in the army. Yeah. You find out that later on in the movie that he's a very respected person. Because the restaurateur throws him a banquet in his oh, restaurant. Remember that? that the, uh, yeah. So uh, continue with the plot. Go ahead. No. So, um, so and also, Wai Tang, he's a businessman. I'm not quite sure exactly what his business he's is but he, real estate real estate so he has kind Investor. of a slum house i would say he's a slum lord a kind of commercial building where he has some tenants in in non in commercial spaces so it's not really living space and he has a favorite and she has kind of a crush on him named yy and she's an artist and often tries to trade paintings for rent and it's very hot in every scene. I really get this cloyingly hot feeling in every scene, even in Wai Tung's office. Like, is he a little bit cheap? Not turning on the AC, wanting to save his pennies. But there's always a fan going and sweat going. And uh, YY has a crush on him and says, why do I always fall for the gay guys? And she's friends with Simon as well, right? So they have a, a casual friendship. And things start to rev up because... Waitung's parents are desperate to set him up with the right woman. They think he's just being super choosy. So they, they find this, what is that? Like a, in 93, these must have been rare, a dating. Yeah, we have, we've registered you. I love the fact that yeah. he's not 
anywhere in the country, and yet they can register him for one of the most elite social clubs in Taipei. And so they're sending him these uh, questionnaires about the type of woman he wants yes. so that they can hook him up. Match what are him. his criteria, guys? It was hilarious <laughs> to get out of this. He demanded that she be an opera singer and be she, and have two PhDs and, uh, and also be a certain height. So basically, they're in Ken's time and together concocted like a series of characteristics that were virtually impossible to find yeah. on purpose because they were trying to thwart his parents' yes. attempts. But but unfortunately, they come pretty close, right? Like, I think she only had one PhD, but she was an opera singer and pretty tall. And she has her own conflict as well, right? She arrives and he picks her up at the airport. And I think he receives the tape. He always receives these audio tapes from his mother rather than handwritten letters. Another throwback to that era. Yes, yeah. and, and those satisfied me. Very much the, the tapes. I used to do. I used to do that with friends. Aww. Send cassette letters. I even miss the answering machines now. Like there's nothing. There's <laughs> nothing left to hold on to, and and she's kind of in a bind as well. And it's a generational bind. Turns out she's got a white boyfriend, and white tongue is gay, and they they kind of exchange their woes, commiserate with one another, don't they? But uh, well, he takes her out to dinner. That for after he picks her up at the airport, and I do love that one suitcase is just they're, they're both extremely heavy. She goes by the name Sister Mao, <laughs> and he said it makes a comment about the the luggage being so heavy, and she goes, "Yeah, because most of that stuff's for you from your mother. Yeah. <laughs> it's not my my stuff." But he takes her out for dinner, and lo and behold, his waitress, their waitress, is May, uh, Weiwei. Yeah. Right. She has yeah. a fit on Simon's behalf, which I think is a good friend. <laughs> you said you had a business plan and you're here with this person. And also she has kind of a crush on him. So she, the gay thing, she's thinking, what? I'm not good enough. And you're out with another woman and you're cheating on Simon. So she explodes. And I think we get a cut right away back to her apartment where she's just, oh, God, I want to kill myself. Simon told me I'm so sorry. And is that when the ideas cooked up? Yes, pretty much. And that kind of sets everything in motion. Yeah. Simon. And, and he must have been kicking himself later, says, you know what? We can solve everybody's problem if you just marry Waiwai. And she gets her green card because immigration's after her. And you get to satisfy your parents. They'll just get, you know, get it rubber stamped. Done. And, of course, in 1993, there was not the freedom that, that we have now, right, for same-sex marriage. Still in its infancy. Or... Am I mistaken? I think there was a, a marriage in where did I read it? Missouri in the seventies. I don't know what the uh, oh, I, I circumstances. don't think as civil unions were. Uh, George and Thomas helped me out. We're no, not talking. We're talking no, like ninety nine, two thousand yeah, Massachusetts yeah. civil unions. If there had even been a, a same sex marriage, it it would have been the result of a. Of sexual, of sex reassignment surgery on the part of one spouse. Okay. Okay. There were some same sex marriages that were legal because that had occurred. And so whereas, you know, one spouse changed legal, you know, legally changed gender, but then the marriage itself was never actually nullified. So I remember that being an argument point that people were making back mm -hmm. during the, okay. you know, the hoop you do about are we going to, you know, are we going to have same sex marriage legal or not? So. At that stage in the movie, I, I, I noticed I took a little issue with the fact that Simon was asking Wei Tong 
to break, basically break the law by marrying Weiwei under false pretense, because you can get five years for that, I think. Oh, so, that, yeah, you can. Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. So they like, do hmm. kind of, they don't let us, I don't think it's this way anymore, because I'm married to a non-national and we didn't have to do this, but but Simon, she moves in basically with Simon and Waitang, and he's schooling her, right? Like, what's his favorite meal? Um, how, what, how does he take, I don't know what, all these intimate questions, because I guess in the interview for the green card, to get the green card, immigration officer, I, you would be asked all these questions? Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, it's a thing. Yes, fraudulent fraudulent marriage for the purpose of getting someone a green card is highly illegal. Well, well, yes, it it is, but um, I I guess maybe because I got married abroad, but but we weren't asked anything. Lots of health things we had to go through hoops that that Herbert had to jump through, but well, yeah, I think probably because you did get married abroad, and you'd also how long had you been together before you moved back here? Oh gosh, we'd been together for seven years before we came back here, so it didn't look like hey, getting my American green card. So Simon schools Weiwei, and he's got he's a saint, right? Simon he puts up with an awful lot from that point on. Yeah, but the whole thing. Well, not according to George. Because he's he is kind of enticing him to break the law, and and later on he's kind of like it's up it's because you started this, yeah. you know. I don't know, but Wei Tong he's he's acting like the big idea. business guy, right? Uh, part of the the partnership, but doesn't really have a say. He sort of goes along. Yeah, I don't he know. Along with it. And uh, they think that'll be done and dusted, right? But then the call. We're so excited. <laughs> we're coming for you. We're we're gonna make a big to do out of this. A big celebration. We're so overjoyed. <laughs> and I think Waitang wants to tell his parents, hey, this is the situation. But is that when they're told that, oh, your father had a stroke, he's okay, but his his biggest, greatest wish is just to hold his grandson in his hands, which is also a little presumptuous, his grandson. No pressure there on anybody. Well, I think Sister Mao actually tells him over dinner, the, the one that they originally set him up with. Yeah. She said, don't get alarmed, oh, but your father right. had a stroke. So filial guilt, filial guilt, filial guilt. And they're going to stay for two weeks. And I guess we all know that two weeks is like two years when when the parents come. <laughs> you, you really get along. I know it does feel like that sometimes to me, but it's mostly delightful if any of my family is listening. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's good that Waiwei had gotten all of this tutelage from – is that the right word, correct word, Thomas? From – from Simon, because now the parents are going to arrive, and she has to look like she fits right in, and she's with White Correct. George, would they have would they have had a problem with her actually being in the same house as Simon, or uh, not Simon, but um, White Oh, that they were living together. Well, she's supposedly, in terms of like the window dressing, she's in the ba- basement, and they all have separate bedrooms. But would the parents have had a, a, an issue with that? No, when the parents come to live with them, Simon goes into the guest room, and Weiwei and uh, Wei Tong sleep in the same bed. Remember? Okay. So they're there in the same yes. bed. That's kind of unusual, but. Maybe in China that would have, or, or Taiwan that would not have been very acceptable, but in a foreign country like that, I think it would be okay. And another thing to remember is also that Weiwei is also from the mainland. She's not from Taiwan. That's I true. Is that why they're sizing her up at the airport, George? Oh, what was your impression of that? 
totally. totally. Okay, That's- explain explain all that. Oh uh, well, you know, there's a lot of animosity between Taiwan and the mainland. Well, yeah, today's news. And but, um, but uh, you know, they're glad that she's at least Chinese. And but, I mean, but culturally, she, she, how do they she perceive She immediately each other? starts. They sort of size her up, and I realize she puts her legs together, and then puts her arms by her side, and stands up a little straighter, because they're they're really judging her. Like, totally, what yeah. kind of family are you from? What kind of girl are you? See. And also, did you notice that she lugged the the, the luggage by yes, herself? Yes, I certainly did notice that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when Sister Mao arrived, she and let she let Wai Tung drag everything. Take the luggage. Yeah. I don't know if that was like a class thing or just like what that was about. Or but she's going to be the new daughter-in-law, so you're going to be carrying oh, yeah. the weight, maybe? Yeah, totally. Okay. She had to show respect. Okay. So Wei Wei had to show you know, every bit of filial piety as well. Okay. So she's going to be part of that family. Yeah. But she had to put on that pretense. So she has some problems with the domestic uh, workload, doesn't she? Uh, with some basic things um, like cooking, well, for example. Cooking for one. Yeah. What did y'all think of that? <laughs> I like that she's a, she's a terrible cook. <laughs> she she can't even fry an egg, can she? So well, Simon's there helping her out. <laughs> That's a great little bit right there. She, you know, he's he's actually doing the cooking, and then they come in, and he and she's leaning against the kitchen bar and, and sipping a beer, and then they quick switch places. <laughs> they leap oh, to yeah. action. There's a gay stereotype. All oh, the gay guys can do all the cooking. Right? <laughs> well, who, who's who? <laughs> Are you both the the chef in your house, or does one of you have the workload there? Eighty percent George, twenty yeah. percent Thomas. Thomas can manage, but George is really the chef. Yeah, I'm the chef in but, my house. Um, I think Beth's. But chef. also, the, the what about the gender stereotypes about yeah. cooking in China? It seems to me, I don't. George can comment on this. Is it more? It seems to be more of a man thing to be the good. Uh, yeah, the good they compare her cooking, which is really Simon's cooking, to. Their their parents or, or White Tongue's parents cook, so they must be well to do, right? Or is that just normal? If you're middle class, you would have a, a live-in chef. Or it's expected that the wife will be the cook, so the wife is supposed to know how to cook at least. But in your family, all of like there were five of you. My family doesn't count. My family's weird. Okay, oh, okay. so let's let's not even go there. All right, George. So who is the good cook? Who's the good cook in your family, George? In the family, all the men are the cooks. I like my, my mother was a horrible, horrible. Like, <laughs> yeah. I get this sense that women are expected to know how to cook, but that when it comes to who's the better cook, it's always uh, the men who are regarded as the better cooks. Well, when you look at the top restaurants and the history of, of those great restaurants, you don't have very many female chefs, do you? Well, when you have a professional cook versus home cook, that's a different thing now. But Ma says at one point, oh, he's so lucky to get someone so beautiful and a woman who can cook these days. So apparently it's on the outs by 93. Yeah, that's kind of like kind of banter. Like a good cook as opposed to a bad cook. But but she's going to cook. And I can't decide if Weiwei just just is so apathetic about it that she can't fry an egg or just really can't do that 
Well, don't you remember the scene where he's visiting her in the very beginning, the first time in her artist loft, and he's like, yeah. what is that? And there's this pot of food, and it's like, he's like looking at it, like, what is that? <laughs> horrible <laughs> pot. That's what she's like. It's my depression meal. Exactly. Depression yeah, meal. I love that line. <laughs> oh, I do like her. I like the actress. What is her name? Uh, Mei Chin. Mei Chin. And I do know that her parts in English were dubbed in. By oh, somebody really? who was bilingual. Yeah. Yes. I didn't know that. I so, didn't know that. So she's she I thought she was very good. Yeah, she was. I thought she was lovely. And I didn't yeah. know it was dubbed. Lovely I performance. didn't detect any looping there. I like the cell phone good. present. Good lord, that's large. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a cell phone back then. Did you guys have a cell phone back then? Ninety-three. No, my first cell phone was ninety-seven, and I only had. I didn't have it for very long. That's what they looked like back then. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. I had one not till 2001. So, but, but that was sweet. My big well, they had the bigger cities first. Yeah. So it, I saw yeah. New York a lot more. Yeah. But but it was sweet when, uh, you know, uh, Wai Tung first uses his new present, his, his cell phone, and calls Simon. And they're sitting side by side. Love you. Mm-hmm. Love you too. A little snog. So let's get into the, the good part, which is okay. the, <laughs> the, the buildup or the, the civil ceremony and the wedding itself. I, yeah. I, I, I love the civil it. ceremony. They don't have a very good command of English, either one of them. So you have this sort of bored justice of the peace or whatever he is doing couple after couple. And they kept saying her name wrong. He kept on calling her wee wee. Wee wee. Wee wee. Do you take? <laughs> yes, wee wee. Sickness, death. Uh, she just <laughs> loved that one. <laughs> just, she emphasized it. I love that. And uh, and Wai Tung, he's not quite so sure still, but but Simon has intimated to him that this could include a tax break, right? So he's, he's always <laughs> after that extra dollar. And, and then after that that civil ceremony, then they have that really sad wedding dinner with the six of them. It's so sad, and and Simon's trying to bring levity, right? Taking pictures and all that. Ma is bursting into tears. And and I was asking George, it's like, well, where are they? Like, I don't remember there ever being a fancy Chinese restaurant that was like that kind of like stark and kind of kind of Western looking. It really was stark and sterile looking, wasn't it? And that George says that's totally fictional. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I would think so. Mr. Charles, even though I'd never been to Mr. Charles, which but it was very high end, Mr. Charles, and it did not have your typical garish. Chinese decor inside. Yeah. yeah. Chinese That's my favorite part. That's more toned down. So yeah. I kind of miss the garish ones. <laughs> I love yeah. the garish ones. I do too. I, I want to know. Can't find them anywhere. Well, for the wedding bank, when it's not the second wedding bank, when, when the restaurateur meets the commander and, and, and says he's going to throw that big banquet for them, a proper Chinese banquet. Yeah. That that room gets all decorated in a much more traditional Chinese. Yeah. Can you describe some of the decor there, George? Well, there's a symbol for happiness, and then there's a way to write Chinese characters so that you actually double up the happiness. So there's a lot of double happiness and the tablecloth and her dresses. I mean, Chinese weddings are very complicated because... Especially in the United States, a Chinese bride would wear a traditional white wedding dress. But then for the banquet, she would have to switch into three different dresses. Three. 
Yep, three. One that's dark red was the first one. And then the second one is a fuchsia color. And then ending the evening with a pink, a light pink one. Oh, that's interesting. I just wanted to know the significance of the colors. What do they mean? I, I never did, the, I did. I never did find out, but I just know. I've been to enough weddings, to, so I've seen it enough times. Yeah, we went to your your nephew's wedding, and the bride changed three, three times. Yeah, three times. After the white and, one. She yeah. just got married in a white dress. Yeah. But for the banquet, she went to dark red, then went to the fuchsia or magenta color, either one, and then to a pink. And there's there's a bit that's interesting to me, George, before they actually go to the venue for the wedding banquet, they kneel before Ma and Pa to sort of get advice and blessings. And also they must eat some lotus soup, which is good luck and, and can lead to fertility. Is that something that you were aware of as, as a that's, that's called the private That's called the private tea ceremony. Okay. And uh, different families do it differently. But it's, of course, veneration for the generation prior. So that's a typical thing for them to uh, kneel before the parents, and then they usually receive gifts at that time. You you can say pass on this if it's too personal, and and I'll cut it out. But I just wondered if you, Thomas, you and George, decided to incorporate any traditional elements from both of your cultures into your your union, into your marriage. Our our wedding itself... We planned it in the over the course of like seven or eight days, oh. so we didn't have we didn't have any kind of traditional anything. We stood in a park yeah. and had a small small circle of family and friends with us, and then went out for dinner. So we just we got married quickly, yeah. which I kind of recommend. I do like the the tea ceremony though. Yeah. Like if we ever had if we we're not going to, but if we were did something like that, I kind of like that. We. Yeah. And I would like to, I'd like to go to one. I hope that George and I have the chance to go to another family wedding yeah. now that George and I are actually married because then George and I can actually sit properly as a couple and then have the couple kneel before us and then they serve us tea and then we give them, give them money and gifts. Cause he, at the time when George and I have attended weddings like that, George and I weren't yet married. So we didn't really have the, you know, the we didn't have the the status to be able to do that. And it'd be fun to participate in that. It's it's kind of sweet paying fealty to one's parents. And uh, I like some traditions and I, and I can imagine that's a little unnerving though, for some newlyweds. So I think that they, they start with the parents and I was reading some, an article today where they, they do bridge out to the aunties and uncles. And so, yeah, you would be along that, that chain there. Yeah, because we did actually when George's nephew got married, George and I weren't, you know, we weren't yet married. We'd only we'd been together. I think that wedding was in 2004. So we'd only been together like maybe five or six years. But I did actually he and I did go up together, but we actually sat with his sister. So it was George, Ruby and I sat together, the three of us. And then, you know, they so they kind of allowed that. And that was, you know, that was nice of them to do that. But if we now that we're actually married, we would, you know, we would be. It would be just the two of us. I like well, that. Who's getting married? I'm sure if we had. Yeah, yeah, getting married. Yeah, yeah. 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 Respectable married couple now, and no, not just shacking up in sin. I, what did you think of the traditional wedding? Now I thought this was a great piece of acting by by the actress who played Weiwei. She receives a number of gifts from Ma. Uh, let's see. She gets some pearls, a red coral pin. Do they call it the chipao gown? 
Yeah. Is that the correct? Uh, a gold bracelet. And she is overwhelmed, isn't she? She knows this is a kind of a sham marriage, not kind of, it's a sham marriage. And she's so touched that she's going to get these, you know, heirloom gifts and Ma and Pa are taking it very seriously. Oh yeah. That's a very big part of the whole wedding is, is money has always been a big part of uh, Chinese weddings. Yeah. I mean, they bring what? 30,000 in crisp $100 bills, freshly minted $100. You can see a Chinese wedding sometimes. The bride is, she's literally got like maybe a hundred gold chains on and 20 oh, wow. yeah. on each arm. I mean, completely packed with gold. Do you, do you think this is part of the old days dowry system? Like here's what I'm bringing with me or what oh, I'm worth or what my family's worth. Absolutely. That's where that comes from. And, but I also, I appreciated the, how the character reacted though, because Weiwei was very bothered by it, which shows that she's actually a, a she's a decent person and she has a conscience. She is. She shows more range, I think, than Wai Tung. And I don't yeah. know if something got, but, but you know, she didn't speak a word of English and the actor Wai Tung, who played Wai Tung, did. But, but he's more of the uh, stoic type, isn't he? He's not wearing his emotion on his sleeves. I like when Simon she, gives them gifts. He's hiding. He's hiding. Yeah. He's hiding. And he's yeah. not fully comfortable lying to his parents. And yet okay. his whole life has been kind of lying to his parents. So guilt. Guilt, guilt. She cries at like three different times during the, during those uh, traditions. So she yeah. cries during the gift exchange. I think she also cries during the tea ceremony. Yes. And, and a big well, fuss. Well, she well, might make, you know, mess up her makeup. And, uh, you know, I think she maybe, maybe she's, you really think of it. You, sometimes when someone makes a film, you wonder if things are intentional or not. Yeah. But maybe she also thought what it was like to be in the closet. Because then yeah. she's in the closet too. Because uh, yeah. I didn't think of it that way, but she is. And she, she is a marriageable age. She is stuck in this, this cycle of, of, you know, she's about to be deported. She doesn't have a job. It seems like she has a bad relationship with her family back on the mainland too. Oh, I, I listened to that phone call again. They, they seem to be very uh, poor. Her family seems mm-hmm. to be very poor. Well, remember it's at that time, China's still quite communist too. Yeah. Yeah. Just the cultural revolution. Yeah. I think mom says over that, you know, that call, oh, we're going to get gas, the gas turned on next week. So, you know, they don't just have everything conveniently organized right. for them. And in fact, she has to go like her when she calls her parents, like she calls like the town you know, store and yeah. then the people have to come walk up the block and get them to come answer the phone. Yeah. It's a, just even just making that phone call is a big thing. So they are very poor. Yeah. And I, I mean, I felt that she, I felt that the tears and the emotion was, I was like twofold. I think she was crying for herself because wouldn't this be nice if I could actually have this? Yes. But also yeah. crying from the guilt that she knows, like these people are being so kind to her and she's deceiving them. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I appreciated that character development with her. Yeah. I, I, Except I teared for the up sexual a lot. assault. I really liked her. <laughs> you know what? It she really likes. Conflicted. You know what? She's been through this whole. They're, they're really. It's like group foreplay after the, the main part of the wedding banquet. They finally think they're going to relax in the wedding chamber and just go to sleep. Oh, yeah. And then they're invaded, right? The newlywed invasion. Oh. And good lord. 
what is the game they're playing? At first I thought Mahjong, but I looked and it's not Mahjong. Well, is it? Because those look well, different we, than the... Can we talk a little bit about the, the, the banquet itself a little bit before we get yeah. into the, the wedding night? Because I loved some of the... Well, I loved the procession and the the music that was playing that didn't seem to fit, but it did. Because the the music was very Latin in a way. Oh, I didn't um, notice that. Sort of a... Yeah, the traditional Chinese wedding would be Chinese music that's got a lot of gongs and crashing cymbals. Yeah. So it would have been really difficult to have and still have dialogue in the movie. But maybe yeah. Chinese chose to do that. I love when there's kind of a, a shoot back to the kitchen and the re- chef is reprimanding one of the prep cooks and says, are you still on this? And he says, who's speaking? The father of the of, of, of the groom. And he says, oh, I've got 40 minutes. Yeah. So, you know, Paul's going to take his keynote speech and, and make the most of it, isn't he? Commander means something. And I think his own son doesn't fully recognize that until the proprietor of the restaurant says, do you know who your father is? He he commands a lot of respect. What an ungrateful would you you would be an ungrateful son if you didn't accept this. So lots of shaming, and assuring Pa that he would save face in America and back home. There were some telling, interesting moments during the during the eating part of that scene that George and I have a lot of experience with, and that has to do with like the the act of taking a piece of food. And, you know, taking it from the service plate and then putting it onto your, to your partner's plate. That's, that's considered a very intimate act. And I was wondering several, about that. There are several circumstances where Simon, who's seated next to Wai Tong, does that. He, he goes with his chopsticks and grabs something and puts it into one with Wai Tong's oh, plate. Oh, I, I missed that one, completely. And I think at one point he even puts it into his mouth. No, no, he dabs, he dabs his, his, he dabs. Oh, that's it. Okay. But anyway, two, well, the napkin dabbing would be considered intimate in any culture, but the placing of the food from the service plate onto your other person's plate is a very intimate act. And George and I do that regularly. Oh, I love that. And we get, we get looks from people. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, well, this makes us stick. Best piece. But this makes a statement that Pa says toward the end, the denouement of the, of the film, much more significant when he in, he says, I, I watch, I observe. And so I he would have seen that and, and thought, yeah. oh, dear, that's very intimate. Wait a minute. I watch and I observe. Do you notice what they're looking at when he says that? No. They're, uh, what? they're looking at the pier that is at the foot of Christopher Street in Greenwich Village. Oh. The pier is notorious for a lot of cruising and public sex acts. Oh, see, I missed, I missed out on this bumpkin that I am. I have wondered when the thought, when Mr. Gal was looking at the house and he goes and he walks out on the back deck or whatever, and he's looking out over the garden and he sees the two chairs there. I have wondered if, you know, Simon is so surprised that he knows and he's, mm-hmm. he says, I watch, I study, I look. Mm-hmm. And I wondered then, if he had a clue from the moment they, they kind of got to the house and he was sort of looking around. I didn't think about that, the garden. They sort of occupy the garden, don't they, Mom? Yeah. And, and that seemed familiar to me, I think, any, from any culture. When when you have a parental visit, they're going to start fixing things, fixing mm-hmm. shit and making things, you know, organizing <laughs> things to, to their satisfaction. But but the two chairs, what do you call those kind of chairs with kind of slingy? bit that you you sit on 
those are that would be an intimate thing. Those are gay chairs. Those are <laughs> gay couple chairs. Gay couple chairs. But and, and we missed a point. They had before mom and pop arrived. There's a frantic cleaning of the house, isn't there? And a revamping oh, I love of the that house. They, they de-gay the house. They de-gay. Oh, that was, so, that was yeah, cute. The sanitizing that that scene triggered me. Yeah. I really? Thinking. I know. I know people who have done that. I have never done that myself, but I know people who have done it. And in fact, still today, George and I know quite a few white Asian couples. Yeah. Uh, in town here and where the Asians are from, you know, from Asia and a family in Asia. And there's one couple in particular that they do this regularly. And the white, I don't know if they're married, I don't think they're married, but the white partner actually moves out whenever the the Asian parents come to visit. And it just, what an exhausting lie. Yeah, exactly. And it may, it just makes me angry because it just, it just seems so unnecessary but then, you know, whenever I say that, I get lectures about, well, you don't understand the importance of family to an Asian and, you know, basically being thrown out of your family is, it's kind of like being a Mormon and thrown out of the church. It's like yeah. this thing, like where your, your, your identity just goes away or something. Yeah. It's not my favorite thing. I fuck that. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> but, but it was also very eighties, nineties. Remember those little Spencer gift things with the nails that you could put your shapes on and there's a um, sort of male bit there, male part. You know what? The campy shower cap uh, photo is replaced with the true military service picture. And I, I, I don't know. I didn't. You know, the point to see is what picture where you can see they're both dressed as women. I know. But, but I think it was a, actually a brilliant move that he puts the calligraphy. Is there an official name? For this George, that his father, his artwork up for his father in deference to yeah, and and that's where Wayway shines, right? When she describes that, yes, oh yeah. But we were at the banquet. Where, where, who are all these people that suddenly throngs and throngs of people filling? Yeah, I don't know where all those people suddenly came from, but you know, it's a movie. (laughs) It's a movie. Well, yeah, it shows Wei Tong working the phones, like right after. They've had dinner at that restaurant. The very next scene is him working the phones, calling pretty much everybody he knows. Well, I think and there's, even, there's... No, I was just going to say, there's even a scene when they start the toasting at the banquet. His friend, he's like, I've known him since we were in high school, and I gave him his first comic books. and introduced him to some really hot chicks, and he goes, and I just found out two days ago he was getting married. So That's the fry him scene. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what? Well, crucify him. Eating. Yeah. That's the thing that he sees in the very first beginning of the movie, remember, when he's walking across the Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's who you thought, is that who you thought was Waymond from Everything Everywhere? Uh, he looks very similar, but I realize he's probably about 10, probably would be 10 years older than he would be. So in but when film, I watched so. today, I thought, oh, I see why you would think that. There, very similar in the eyes and the nose. But yeah. um, I was going to say, what the heck is he eating, or what does he have on a string that he's it's trying like to make? It's like a marionette string, and, and they to fry. Oh, is no, it something no, no, no. unbearable it's, to eat, or it's what? A, it's a duck head. Okay. Yeah. It's a duck head with some some wings put on, or something like that. There are all these weird wedding games that you will find at a Chinese wedding. Yeah, I've I've seen them. So there's one where like they they take a little. Because like it's it's bad form to serve, for instance, anything uh, incomplete. Mm-hmm. Like if you're gonna serve like a fish, 
you make sure that it's got a head on it because to a Chinese person, a headless fish on a plate looks awful. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That's the whole. A headless chicken is horrible. I grew up having turkeys with、uh, Thanksgiving with heads on them. We pretend and, they're not. Or that movie that Christmas Christmas story story where they, you know, he's <laughs> got a head on it. The Chinese person,、uh, you know, a decapitated, horribly ugly to our to our thing. You have to have、yeah. the head, the tail on it. So at Chinese weddings, they play this game where they tie a string around the head of the、uh, and and they they make the bride and groom kind of like like almost like bobbing for apples. <laughs> That's to, what I thought of, George. Yeah, I thought it was like bobbing for apples. Apple. What the hell? Is it? <laughs> but she's looking more and more. She's glowing. Like this is her wedding day, but it's not. So I do、right. feel for Weiwei. I feel for Simon because Simon is really having enough of this as yeah, they go on and on. <laughs> Lots of drinking. Well, because when he, it was Simon's idea, but Simon didn't think he was signing up for this. For this. So he he's suffering a lot and just having to keep quiet. And you get the—I think there's some cutaways to some friends in the in the banquet who seem to be their personal friends. Oh yeah, not, got, you can tell their their sarcastic glances. Yeah, winking at the audience like, okay, we're going along with this. We know you guys very well. This is <laughs> well, even the bridesmaid. Did you catch that the bridesmaid was the first、um, setup, the、uh, the opera singer? Oh, oh you know what? I missed、yes, that. How I did, did I miss that? And she does kind of wink. Did a quick little wink and a little. Yeah, yeah Sister Mao. Yeah. But but there's a lot going on. They have the toddler bouncing on the nuptial or wedding bed, right? Yeah. Well, that's tradition,、in. though. The the children dancing on the bed, and nobody it, it else can. Where in China you come from? And it, it's like I said, I've seen so many different weird traditions. Really, like. Each little village practically has their own traditions、yeah. of, of what you're supposed to do. So, I think one of the guests is it the owner of the restaurant or some or, or the Weiman-looking one says this is a multicultural wedding. Anything goes, and so indeed、mm-hmm. you see the you know throwing of the bouquet, the 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 garter belt thing, and and all kinds of traditions mixed in together, mishmash. Mm-hmm. I like the one guy that realizes he went to the wrong wedding. This is the gal wedding. I meant to go to the Chen wedding. <laughs> he continues eating. He does the same thing. I just be an anonymous eater here. Anyhow, what else? What else? The food is a big success, and and it looks gorgeous the way the the preps have carved things out beautifully, like、oh, swans. Yeah, if you haven't been to a a real traditional Chinese banquet, you I strongly advise you go to one. So, I'd love to be invited. I I liked when they went to the separate tables.、Mm. Uh, there, there's a tradition at in Western weddings about the reception line,、mm. and I just think it's too awful and too long and too drawn out. And I think that's a lovely gesture by the the bride and groom to just go to every separate table and say thank you for coming and toast the table and they toast it back and I think it's horrific,、yeah. horrific. They have to toast every table. Toast at every table, they get sloshed by the end. But it's better than standing there and and greeting two hundred guests one at、yeah. a time. No, I think the couple, the happy couple, should be able to take off for their honeymoon in the middle of all that chaos. None of this. Invasion stuff. That's it. Seems well, like saying, a lot to me. I'm saying that with great authority. That's just my preference. You, everyone does what they want. <laughs> they, they, they do. I don't know if this is both a, an Eastern and Western tradition, but they begin to bang their chopsticks on the side of the glass, like kiss the bride, kiss the bride, kind of thing. 
Yeah, I can't that. Is that more Western or Eastern? I've seen it in the Western yeah. tradition. You know, I was born in this country, so this I've, it's, I've seen it every Chinese wedding growing up. Yeah, and, and they're very reluctant. Like they're the reluctant, awkward couple. <laughs> they stand up, and and of, of course they're both acutely aware of Simon, who has to witness all of this. And I think at one point, because they're relentless, the the crowd, they you know, White Tongue gives her a pretty decent kiss at one mm-hmm. point. Maybe it was no tongues, but to witness this as Simon had to be groomed. Well, there were some things I noticed. The, the entry after, the, well, first of all, the, the photographs, yeah. that was yeah, a, a very humorous sequence to me. Tacky, tacky, tacky. When it turn, <laughs> turn some more. Turn more. Whites of your teeth. Turn more. That was hilarious. The cheesy wedding photos, yes. <laughs> but then the entrance, and, and this is sort of, for me, just kind of shows me some of, some of Ang Lee's directorial gifts, is they look like celebrity. He makes sure that when they're coming in and the cheering, when the bride and groom walk in and the the bulbs going off, you know the, the strobes kind of going off. That they look like celebrities, and and the whole vibe in that scene is is just wow. It just kind of uh, rocked me a little bit watching. I was like, whoa, yeah, that's really cool how he did that. It, so, it's really beautiful. And, and they pass. That must be how it feels for, too. For they pass for that couple. The irony there. There's there's a lot of peer pressure drinking <laughs> and the throwing up. And I love when one guest turns to another and says, you're witnessing the results of 5,000 years of sexual oppression <laughs> because they're, they're finally letting loose. And I love when Simon is in the bathroom and it's basically the vomit room. And, and that's one of your scenes, Thomas. Of course, he's at the urinal. I don't need to see vomit. That's why I couldn't deal with Triangle of Sadness. I just couldn't deal with that scene. Well, at least the vo- but the vomiting at least was part of the plot. It was, you know, it's like, okay, they overdrank and then now they're puking. At least it made sense, whereas... You know, the person just, oh, he's taking a phone call, so I think I'll go pee. Oh, and let, let's film it while I do. It's like, what's... Yeah, that, that was gratuitous. <laughs> we don't need gratuitous urination, and I don't think they do that to women. You never... Oh, there's... I've, I've seen I've seen more than I need to of that, too. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> do, do, a, do a separate podcast or something. Do a podcast just on you know pain what? and films. Let's do that. You know, bodily functions that are gratuitous that we just one. don't need to see to carry the plot. It's not always gratuitous. There's a wonderful movie. I think it's called The Girl from Hunan. Yeah. And uh, it's a Chinese film. And it's, it takes place in a rural village. Fascinating movie. But a lot of times you could tell that the, uh, they show the character, uh, the main character, um, a young girl, peeing in the um, in the field. So, Maybe she'd do more than peeing, but she's, you know, and it kind of shows a certain humanity to the person that we're all human. It's the one thing we all do, we all have to do. Yeah, since we know that, though, why do we have to see it? I'm going to go with Thomas. Well, that movie is a very agricultural yeah. And it kind of makes sense to me. That's true. You no know, facilities. You just have to make do. But there are ways to, you know, if you need to make a point of the, you know, the elimination aspect of being human, that's fine. But you can do that sort of like my friend Marla's mom used to talk about, like, she didn't like sexy scenes in movies. And she said, you know, in my day, <laughs> a man 
We'd carry his woman up into the bedroom and close the door, and everyone knew what was happening. We didn't need to see it. I'm, I kind of agree with that. I'm kind of with, you know, I guess, in, you know, when I was younger, I, I might have wanted to see that, and now I just don't. More talking, please. It's the same thing. You know, it's like, you know, Simon goes into the bath, excuse me, I'm going to go use the restroom now, and then close the door, and that's enough. That's that's enough for me. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I, I, don't, speak, I don't need to see that. I, I get a different kind of film of, if I need to see that. Speaking of knowing what's going on behind closed doors, so we, we can get to the the uh, wedding bed, wedding night portion now. I thought that was kind of clever. They finally get to their room, and they're exhausted. <laughs> and room service, knock, knock, knock. And he, he's like, no, don't answer don't it. Don't answer the door. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> he knows. Why doesn't she know? Are, are, are the traditions so different, or she's from such a different status or class than he yeah. is? That she's not aware. She, she'd never. I mean, from her. I mean, where her parents have to go down the street to answer the phone. I doubt she'd ever been to a fancy banquet wedding. Well, not only that, most of those people are probably White Tongue's friends, if they are acquaintances, not heirs. Yeah. Um, but I can't think of anything more unspeakably offensive than that. You know, than that display. Just. That's almost so like the medieval observation of consummation and blessing. You know, just. Yeah. What is? What really did you guys think of that? Oh, you mean when they wouldn't leave until they took all their clothes off under the bed? Yeah, what did you... Well, actually, all of it, even the consummation, accidental consummation, assault, however you want to... I kind of liked it. I I love the fact that she says, I'm going to liberate you. (laughs) (laughs) But, 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 Beth, you're really offended. I was not as offended because it's very quick. He he just says, where are you going with your hand there? And well, I wasn't offended. I just was curious as to. But was he raped? Know, because they, they cut away. So maybe he got into it. She's definitely initiated. Exactly. It's hard to know. But, it's, but also remember, like, they've been living under the watchful eye of the parents. So I'm sure Wilcom did not have much time with Simon. So yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. maybe I still up in him somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she took advantage of it, maybe. And, and oh, my God, with the newlywed invasion, they're playing those foreplay games like eat the cherry off the breast of the bride. And, you know, exactly. you, you might get a little worked up if if that's the whole you know, everything is pointing toward coitus, 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 and, you know, any port in a storm? I don't know. Well, and they could have just... The movie, really, because, like, moving the plot forward, I mean, everyone gets what they want in the end, really. Yeah. Yes, they do. This this film covers a lot of issues, doesn't it? Yeah. And we get into the post-wedding banquet portion. What game were they playing? Were they playing cards or backgammon? What what were they? Some of it was mahjong, but they maybe they're also playing something called paidao, which is kind of like dominoes. Okay. Uh, blind. <laughs> I have here what what's going on? Uh, newlywed invasion, blindfold, sex games, foreplay with friends. Then uh, the guests make them remove their clothes. But once those clothes are off, they they pack up pretty quickly. Because those friends were not going to leave until they they saw all that clothes come off. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a lot of pressure. Well, you remember your friend who barged in on our uh, wedding night? Yeah, we, what about him? We had a wedding night, and um, you know, because we after we got married, and then we had our big dinner, and then we we were all in a hotel. So then George and I retired to our room, and then a friend of George's who had, he hadn't seen in a long time came in and asked if he could use the shower. So we did. We let him use the shower, and then he sat down, and I'm like, this guy's planning just to stay. <laughs> I, I said, well, where are you staying tonight? And he goes, oh, there's this all-night place. So he didn't even have a room. 
and I know that this guy has money, so I was I was confused about like yeah. what, what he was. I think he was angling to stay over with us, but I was not in the mood to be that generous. So not anyway. we, uh, we we sent them away, but you know that's a clueless boy there. I'm sorry, he's your dear friend. I, I take that back. I retract it immediately. Is he presenting himself as a, a wedding present? Maybe, <laughs> both of you? I don't know. Yeah, it practically fit the scene of jumping out of the covers and discarding undergarments to get <laughs> Here's a big hint for you. But things get really interesting after the wedding banquet. My understanding is the parents are there for only two weeks, right? No, but then it gets extended. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Because so, I had a, all right. Tell, how long are they there total? It, it's hard to know, but then the father has the heart attack. Mm. And so he has to stay a lot longer. Okay, because when Weiwei starts getting a little nauseated, I'm thinking, he can't know that. Well, the uh, the big hint is all those photos that were taken at the wedding are framed in almost poster size. <laughs> There's all one in the bedroom the that's huge, but no offense to anybody and, and who a, likes that in their bedroom. Back in the 90s, that's at least, what, four to six weeks to get something like that back oh. and framed. Oh, yeah, I would think. I didn't think of pre-digital, yeah. Yeah, and, I, and how soon after you actually become pregnant you start getting sick? Like, that, that's what I was wondering because I didn't catch that weeks. it was extended that long. No, I know, but I'm just, I know, but I was just yeah, three, wondering how long. Probably three weeks. Three weeks. Really, that three short? or four. Okay. I got nauseous pretty early on, but yeah. I never got sick sick so, yeah. with Veronica. But in my mind, because I didn't realize there was that extension, I'm thinking, well, it took a while to plan the wedding. The wedding just happened. You can't feel that, can you? Well, the heart attack thing, of course, is a very important part because when they, that's when White Tongue comes out to his mom at the hospital. Remember? Oh right. Yeah, it's a. It's a oh, great that's scene. a that's a heart. Rending scene, and, and I wonder if you guys got triggered by that. Like, oh, well, gosh. I I did a little bit just because it's such the it's such a familiar scene in the okay, it's fine that you told me, but let's not tell your father. Yeah, that's a super typical response from people who are themselves uncomfortable with this piece of information. And you know, I can't tell you the number of times I heard that. They're like, yeah. well. Yeah, this is fine, but we're you know we're not going to tell grandma or we're It'll not going to tell secret, Which is it's denying just, honesty again. Like, it's, it's, it's a yeah, it, but it, it's a display of their own discomfort, is what it is. Yeah. I think she knows from the beginning. She thinks he's talking about Weiwei's pregnancy that he was af- afraid to tell her, and uh, I think probably she knows after that big feud with Simon, because your landlord wouldn't get that worked up over. <laughs> Over things, Woody. And he's clearly jealous. Oh, I, I love the fact that Simon's cussing his full head off and, and yeah. like, they, they can't understand me. <laughs> he just assumes <laughs> that they're not, they don't understand the F word or that yeah. he's upset that uh, Weiwei's pregnant. I love when she stands Great. and says, Chit, you think I'm shit? And just collapses back down, you know, <laughs> weeps. Uh, I, I like also, or I don't like, but it was reminiscent of Gump. I don't know why Forrest Gump, but whenever White Tongue would walk into a room and his father was taking a nap, he looked dead. And there was always that moment of, oh, did you, did you die? Did you die? <laughs> and and I remember Forrest Gump with his mother and then it's Jenny. Are you dead? Are you dead yet? And he's only, how old is he, do you think? The dad? The dad. Yeah. 
I guess in the seventies. Uh, no, I, I I don't think that old. I think like fifties. I okay, mean, that's upsetting. <laughs> really? Well, it is, but because he, he's twenty, the the son is twenty-eight. So yeah. you add in, you know, add in thirty years, that'd be late. 50. And he's only son, right? Because yeah. they do make the mother does make that yeah. confession. Yeah, no, but I think she. There's a scene where the mother says she had him. They tried for a long time to have him, and then she finally did. Mm-hmm. So she was quite a bit older when she did have. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right and yeah. she'd been There's, to a kind of troubled cesarean where they were, she was told no more after that. Yeah. And remember, the father could be a lot older than the mother because that's typical in Chinese yeah. marriages of that ilk and that time. Yeah. Well, I'm going to Google the actual age of. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. We'd like that. <laughs> we'll know how we'll know how old the actor was. Okay. So those are some veteran actors you're looking at. Those the play, the, the parents. Are uh, well known. Yeah. Okay. So he was. Well, he would have been. He was sixty three. The actor was sixty three when the film was was released. Okay, that's not ancient. I'm upset. <laughs> but okay. Just getting started but here. He, I mean, he was in mili- a war. First of all, he was started his life in mainland China and then went to Taiwan. Yeah. So he yeah. that era, like Chiang Kai Shek era. Yeah. So, so, so he's from another generation because Taiwan, even in '93, was one of the more liberal and commercial oases in, in that region. And also, she's Weiwei is from Shanghai, which is also you know international trade going on there and and a lot of intercultural influences. So it's interesting that Ma and Pa are so entrenched in in old ways. Let's say. I think also he has a, his a health history. He has issues, and he oh, yeah. he didn't ha- certainly as a military commander and a veteran. He probably didn't have the easiest professional career. Exactly. So, yeah. I, and so even though he might be sixty three, he's he's kind of an aged sixty three. Yeah. yeah, he's seen a lot, and and I do like that it shows Simon's medal. He's he's jealous, of, and rightly so, and and putting up with a lot, but he's still. Really looks out for Pa. Well, yeah, he's the one who's the real in-law, in other words. He's the one who's really showing the filial piety, really. He, he is. I love when he gives the gifts, and he doesn't quite have Mandarin, so he hands the father the the blood pressure cuff and says, high blood pressure, bad, here. You know? but, but for Ma, he says, old lady wrinkle cream for you. I know. You know, it's so complicated when you grew up with a different set of traditions and things, like you never give a Chinese person something completely white. Why? That's a symbol of death. I mean, our oh, morning okay. clothes are all black, they're white. Okay. So it's like for Christmas, you wouldn't wrap someone's, or someone's birthday, you wouldn't wrap something with black tissue paper in a black box with black wrapping paper. Okay. Okay. Most very goth. Right. Okay. Rather do Chinese goth. But then one time I got a gift from one of my students' parents who was Korean, and lo and behold, there was a white box with white tissue paper and a white tie. (laughs) (laughs) So what happens to you? Do you realize, like, God, that I guess you know, traditions are what they are. I mean, I was like, (laughs) even though. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't offended by it, but I was affected by it, surprisingly. Yeah. Then, then why why do you suppose the white wedding dress is adopted? That would be totally awful on such an auspicious day. 
Exactly. What can I tell you? That's why for the wedding banquet, you go back to the traditional red and pinks. I think it's a, it must, you think it's a, um, it's a westernization. Yeah. So it's basically, yeah. yeah. What were your colors guys when you, when you got, well, you, you have three that you count for, for the one you count, the wedding you count. What were your colors? Well, we didn't, we, we remember we, we just stood in a park. We didn't have any planning. We just we wore suits. suits. It was a budget wedding, which was nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I hope you didn't stay at Budget Inn on top of that. No, no, we stayed in a nice place. We had just closed on a house, and then the economy was crashing like a house card, so we were more concerned about paying our mortgage than we were anything else. Yeah. When I hear about people spending like fifty grand and a hundred grand on weddings, I yeah, think, oh my God. No Did you go to In-N-Out Burger? For- <laughs> <laughs> that, would been, that would have been delightful. Then we had Mexican. That's good too, actually. Um, when Weiwei Wei admits that she's pregnant, finally, I think it's that night that Simon has had enough. Right? He goes out with his friends, goes to a couple of clubs, goes to a movie, and Wai Tung waits down in his bedroom for him or up in his bedroom. I'm quite sure. It was. Well, also an outfit. I don't know if you noticed what his outfit was when he goes out. That that made me think '80s, but maybe not in '93. Also, cruising attire. Oh, definitely. The kind of outfit you would get, you know, like, I'm going to get laid outfit. But he seems to be a good boy, right? When Wai Tung says, are you having an affair with Steve? He says, fuck you. Like, no, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I don't know. Well, Unlike I don't know. you, I wouldn't. I, I mean, I don't know either. That was the era of a lot of anonymous sex, too. He doesn't answer the question. They're not technically married, so I do know that with every couple it's different, whatever they're arrangements or agreements are as far as that i get the feeling they're an exclusive couple though they're not yeah an open yeah partnership. but he's mad at him <laughs> yeah. i'd be worried if if i were way i think yeah, i interpreted it as he just wanted to have a fun night out with friends he wanted to cut loose and go he wanted to go have like a big gay night out whatever that means you know yeah, yeah. He's having to be really perfect and quiet and just sidelined. You know, it's not even. And he even says, "I wanted to speak my language and have my food and have my fun, one fun night." And and you feel for him. Where do we go next? Uh, the father must not know; it would kill him. Well, uh, we're heading to the most powerful scene in the movie, movie for me, of course. Yeah. You want to walk us through it? Uh, well. She decides to have the baby aborted. She asks for Wei Tong to accompany her. Yeah. And that's when Wei Tong's mother, she has a sense of what's going on. And she's gardening. And so she frantically tries to go with them to make sure that this doesn't happen. Yeah, wasn't that weird that she seemed to have this like spidey sense that something was amok and she was like, yeah. I have to be there. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then, and then she's so frantic and it's tragic. I mean, she's pathetic even. I mean, yeah. you for her. she wants that baby that badly. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty rude that they take off, but I guess they know, you know. Mark. Right. They're trying, well, to not this They're trying to save her. And also, she exactly for that reason, she would be a real pain in the butt. But what she has conveyed to Weiwei really makes a dent, I think, makes a difference. I don't know. I don't I don't think that Weiwei has thought through the potential uh, future that she could have she could have this child and raise this child with two dads. And that it could work out. That it could work. 
And I think as she's eating that cheeseburger or whatever she's eating, it, it's the possibility sort of open up to her. Yeah, she's delaying, and she hasn't had much, given herself much time to think about this, you know, this big, big decision. And White Tongue is like, come on, you don't need that. Let's go. And he seems kind of irritated until she says, no, we're not going. I'm keeping the baby. He says, I'm a father. So that's the first positive kind of emotion that we get from him. About well, that he's situation. crying the night before, though, when she when she yeah. says she's going to abort it. Yeah. I mean, he's he's laying there, and, and it, that's probably the saddest scene in the whole movie. Yeah. They're both there in bed, their backs to each other, and they're both just crying about how badly they've screwed everything up just yeah. by their inability to be honest yeah. about what's going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. and how they both kind of screwed over Simon too. Mm-hmm. That too. When you said you're the, is the most powerful scene for you the father son scene or the no the mother change that's okay. interesting that that is more powerful to you than the uh, they're on a therapy walk right Pa and Simon mm. he, oh really, no that was kind of sweet I didn't yeah. just, just how frazzled she got about that whole thing and, yeah. yeah yeah well you've, you've seen your own mom be just about that frantic and and uh, so they're doing their therapy walk and. The red envelope comes out, the money envelope, and Pa says, happy birthday, Simon. And the first thing out of Simon's mouth is, oh, you speak English? Because he's probably thinking about the tantrum earlier, like, all yeah. the, you understood right. all that. But it's it's sweet and not over the top. Right, and clearly that's not a birthday gift. <laughs> yeah, clearly. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he also gets the let's not tell anybody else. So everybody's burdened yeah. with this, and yet everyone knows. That's a very sweet scene. I, for me, my favorite scene, the scene that made me cry a little bit, was when she decided to keep the baby, and then they go tell Simon that he's going to be a father. It's also sweet because Wiley might have been doing it to keep them together. With it. Yeah, because Simon right? kind of says, I'm out of here when your parents are gone. And maybe Wiley is using this child as a way to keep them together. But but I do think Simon is impressed when Waitang is confessing to his mother at the hospital and you have Weiwei and and Simon behind the corner and she's translating for him and he's he's pretty impressed that Waitang has come clean and and said Simon is the man for me damn they're eavesdropping (laughs) right around the corner (laughs) damn damn he actually told her yeah and then then Moss starts to ask him about his family right because that would be next order of business Right? What's your family like? How many siblings? How many sisters? How many brothers? And Weiwei is giving minimal translation to this. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then something I think very prescient happens. Is, is it Ma who says, Simon is cooking for us tonight? And Pa makes this big declaration. I am doing the dishes. Collective gasp. <gasps> Pa's going to do the dishes, and I think he knows there, right? He's he's maybe he's signaling there. Yeah, I like that scene too. Yeah. In other words, he's saying we're all part of the family together. Yeah, and he's really trying to keep everyone together by kind of lowering himself. Yeah, and they're yeah. all wringing their hands, watching collectively, and he's well, because he had just had his heart attack. Then, yeah, prior yeah. uh, to that scene, yeah. There are different parts of the film where everybody's just sort of on pins and needles going, how's he doing? Is he alive? When Simon's bringing them back from the the wedding, it's very touching uh, how gentle he is with both of them, how quiet everything becomes, like uh, just checking in on the wedding guests, Simon is, and then telling 
Wei's parents, I'm going to drive you home. And he's, he keeps checking in the rearview mirror, like, is yeah. he still breathing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, are you happy? I'm just happy, very, very happy. They always seem worried about whether or not he's going to be okay. I, I love, uh, we're getting toward the end here, uh, Wei Wei decides to have the baby and, and everybody is overjoyed. And, of course, Ma and Pa are over the moon because they get their grandbaby. But then there's a scene where Simon is taking care of the travel arrangements back home for Ma and Pa. And he makes sure to get the low sodium and the healthy heart meals for them. So he's really looking after them. I get yeah, I get really sad when they leave. <laughs> I get yeah. Really I just, yeah, I cry. It's very touching. The ending is very touching because it just sort of comes back to we owe them something. Yeah. <laughs> the people that brought us here. Yes. At this point, we owe them a debt. Oh, I'm really amazing. He, he's always able to draw out the human side of things and, and our human emotions. He's quite the filmmaker. I, I agree. Pushing Hands, his first movie, is I'm, very difficult to find. I, some, I don't know. I don't remember how I found it. I found I'm making it a note out. to watch that next. Do I need um, to have okay. watched that first, or is it just a thematically similar? I don't know. I can't get Sam to watch Brokeback Mountain. It's not that you can't get me to. It's just that its <laughs> moment came and went. And whenever somebody hypes a movie, I have this, you know, I, I retreat. But I'll watch it. I will, because I love <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand Western and Cowboys. You think that Mad Woman is also a wonderful film, and one viewing is not enough. You have to see it more than once to kind of. It took me three viewings to really understand all of it. All right, I'm in. I have, but I'm going to watch Pushing Hands, and then down the line, broke back. I'll watch that. But Pushing Hands is no. What order the damn DVD? Sorry, the third film I I haven't seen, and I need to see it. Now that one I'm more familiar with by title. Eat, drink, man, woman, I think it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember that going round. What's the remake of it? I forget the Latin. Tortilla soup. Tortilla soup. Oh, I know that one too. Mm-hmm. By, by title only. I wondered what you guys thought of the, the real ending of the film. And it's, it's such a simple gesture, but I love the, ang- the way Ang Lee shoots it. You have the three, right? Simon and Wei Tung and Wei Wei at one end of a tunnel and you sort of have their parents silhouetted at the other end of the tunnel going over toward TSA. And then uh, Pa approaches the TSA guy and he, in slow motion, he puts his arms way up and you have uh, this lovely music behind. And so this very ordinary kind of thing becomes extraordinary to me. It's a beautiful moment. It's a beautiful visual with beautiful music. Yeah, I, I, I wonder about that myself. What was Ali trying to like bring out? Was it a, a Jesus thing? Like, was he sacrificing something for this? I don't know. I don't. I wasn't sure. I, I thought it was grace, graciousness. That's what I, I don't know. I didn't take a religious connotation, but maybe there was. Maybe there was. Yeah, I'd wondered about that frame too. Yeah. Just that shot. Yeah, I, I thought it was a nice a nice touch and uh, more traditional music than I recognized. More of it was pop throughout, so I liked that. And he does that in the ice storm as well, where just a few flutes or, or something very simple, but but more traditional into to an otherwise modern tale. Yeah, well, it was Chinese music, I believe, right? I, you know, was you're the musicians. Uh, tell or me. What, Wood flutes. Know, like Chinese-ish music. In other words, they were going back to the homeland, maybe. Yeah, but but there yeah. was something about he the way he raised his arms, and I thought it was very 
bird-like or crane-like or like well, maybe maybe a, a symbol of not complacency but like he's just agreeing to the whole thing yeah i accept yeah he seems so vulnerable when he does it yeah. that gesture raises his yeah. arms up and it's hard to see people get fragile it is mm-hmm. so so much for for Wai tongue to take on and for simon and Wei. I'd like there to be a part two if Ang Lee's up to it to see what happens when the baby grows up. <laughs> oh, uh, who who caught the trivia? Who played the little boy? The little know. boy ju- that jumped on the bed? Don't know. Who? Mason Lee, who was Ang Lee's son. Ah, or is Ang yeah. Lee's son. He was in the movie, too. I'm trying to remember where he was. In the banquet? Uh, the, oh. the banquet, he jumps on the bed, and then yeah. they do the little kiss game. Oh, yes, he is in the movie. This film, some trivia here. It was made for like a million, cool million, nothing, right? And gross 29.6 or thereabouts wow. million. And um, the first half of the movie I read was based on a true story, Ang Lee's friend, Neil Peng. Uh, Director Ang Lee makes a cameo. Did you guys see him? I could not find him. Who does? Ang Lee makes a cameo appearance yeah, in the he's banquet. In the wedding, he's in the uh, banquet guest. Yeah, but I, I just didn't. I'll have to look very closely. There's something Tom noticed that I never even noticed. In the very opening of the movie, before we see anything, the uh, opening credits. Yeah. He said, oh, that's a pretty little Chinese character. And it's, uh, like I told you, there's a double happiness character that you see at the wedding banquet a lot. Well, I wonder which one it is. I'm gonna have to look that up. Tom notices that there's a, it's a, and he didn't know what it was, but I did. It's a triple happiness. So I, you know, moving out of the movie, like, ah, maybe the three of them do end up living happily ever after somehow. Yeah, (laughs) I like that idea. Triple happiness. Three-way love story. Because one thing I really did that I also I really liked about the movie is when she goes back into her painting again. You notice there's much more color and beauty in her art yeah yeah and there's she seems to have this intensity yeah she's not painting angrily direction anymore yeah right her artwork is completely like transformed as because she has now i know the laws have not come along on on the mainland yet and and yet have in taiwan do you think that things like matchmaking are still a a thing in taiwan or in the mainland Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of Asian countries, like Korea. Oh, my God, if you're not married in Korea, forget it. I mean, according to my inside information in Korea, gay men marry, if they're lucky, gay women, so that they can have clandestine relationships. Yeah, that would get around the issue. I wonder if if, if matchmaking is involved there with the parents. Like, all right, for appearances', appearances sake. sake. Yeah, I don't know. But, but you know, uh, the whole world is changing on this subject. Although there yeah. is, of course, people trying to stuff it back in the closet, like DeSantis and people like that. Oh, oh God. God. I know, right? Don't say that word. Don't say that word in my And, and that, that's one of our goals here, guys, for Pride this month. We wanted to to make sure everyone knows that it's not just a Florida problem or just a Montana problem or just a – a problem if you happen to be on at LGBTQ plus spectrum, which I happen to believe everybody is. It's not a problem. It's it's everybody's rights being stepped on. And we would like to make a, a very strong statement. I wonder if you guys had anything to say to folks. Don't put yourself on the line if you don't want to. But but people who are, are pushing us back 50 years. They have issues, clearly. Yeah. 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 I think they resent 
progress and you can't throw the world into reverse. I, I always have something to say on this topic, yeah. but yeah. yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with, you know, women's rights and <laughs> LGBT rights. We're in a, we're in a dangerous era. We've entered a dangerous era and I think we have been for a while. And, um, at some point there's going to be a tipping point where I think there are people that do want to push us into civil war. Well, it's interesting. That I agree. We just back to this actual movie. I mean, <laughs> if, if I, I've, watched a lot of movies that come out of China and the whole cultural revolution, that was a cultural revolution. Look what that did to that country. Are we ready in this country for a cultural revolution of that magnitude? Revolution is a scary and dangerous word because, you know, even even for people that want revolution, there's no guarantee that you're going to come out on top. I have to pause you both right now. I'm at 159. Do you want to go into a little bit of a session too, or do you guys need to run? Yeah, we, we do need to wrap up. Yeah. You need, oh gosh. Well, we'll say, thank okay. you so much for joining us, both of you. You've been charming, wonderful, insightful guests, and I'm so glad you agreed to come on to the Celluloid Pudding Podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank right. you, Thomas and George. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It has. Well, Great guests. Oh my God. What, what great guys. I love Thomas and George straight out of San Diego, California, who were kind enough to join us and lend their insights and also some very familiar experiences they had that kind of mirrored the wedding banquet by Ang Lee, didn't they? Like I said, I was watching the film and I kind of liked there's, there's a sort of a subtle realism. Even though there's like humor and those little elements in the film that make it uh, very entertaining, those quiet moments in the film really, really got Mm -hmm. to me. The quiet little interpersonal exchanges really got to me. And there was not a lot of directorial intrusion. Yeah. You you know how some directors make themselves known and Ang Lee really stepped back and I felt like I was, I forgot about the walls. But it I got loved me. all the garden scenes with Mon Pa too. <laughs> it got me at the end. I didn't expect to start weeping, but I I was at the goodbyes. I wanted them to just stay, but they can't. I hope they come back for when the baby's born. <laughs> you know they are. That's why I'm thinking there there needs to be a wedding banquet part two. There does. Yeah, it's a there fourth needs- to that trilogy. He didn't limit himself to ten films like Quentin Tarantino. So, Ang Lee, no. you need to get on that sequel. I think it would be great. Please do if you're not too busy, sir. Yeah. And can I be an extra? All right. Well, I'll have to go back and see where his cameos. Beautiful people, thank you for joining us and our very, very special guests, Thomas and George, for our discussion of the wedding banquet. If you have not seen the wedding banquet, see it. It's free on uh, Tubi and Pluto, and I'm sure you probably even have that app on your phone. You can just cast it to your whatever smart TV or tablet and or watch it on your tablet it's a lovely film but we seem to forget that there there was a uh, we didn't just get here to gay marriage do you know what i mean yeah it uh yeah. there was a whole generation of uh and i know that uh you know george and thomas's situation is very much like mine and donna's which was uh, i when donna had brought up the possibility of marriage without it being legal it was sort of you take the risk and take the leap of faith and she's like well just we're going to act as if and the laws will eventually catch up with us 
<laughs> well, she's right, but some of the things were just downright cruel, like not having the ability to visit a loved one in the hospital, let's say. Not yeah. having access unless you, that, you know. That is true. But you have to choose to live the life you want, I think. Yeah. And I think that was Donna's yeah. point many, many years ago. And, and it's uh, fragile. So you can't let people like DeSantis and like a lot of people out there right now step on those hard-won rights. Absolutely. It's not an academic point anymore. No, it's, it's, it's not an academic. You, you have to be active. Yeah. We're almost at 10 years of uh, having gay marriage legal in this country. And Just think about Roe v. Wade if you think it's set in stone. Yeah, nothing's – well, for these folks, nothing's set in stone. Yeah. They want to yeah. turn the wheels of progress backwards as hard yeah. and fast as possible. Don't let that happen on your watch. I nope. Won't. I'm not. So, folks, if you are interested in – sharing some of the films that you'd like us to cover or maybe even come on the podcast with us, you can contact us at celluloidpudding at gmail.com or celluloidpudding, P-U-D-D-N, on Twitter, or putpod, P-U-D-D-P-O-D, on Instagram. Or you can just Google celluloid pudding. We'll come up on all menus if you can't remember all that. We'd also, if you want to DM us and tell us any of your pride stories, you can give us a pseudonym or your real name. And uh, we want to fight the good fight this month. And we'd love to hear from you. Also, if you are aware of any pride events, gatherings this month, I would highly encourage anyone thinking about whether or not they want to go out and engage in some sort of pride event, even if there aren't any parades, but maybe it's a local establishment that's putting something on. Go out, show your support, be present, be visible. Remind people we are still here and we don't plan on going anywhere. Oh, Sammy, it's been a good one. Good episode. It, it has. I'm so glad we revisited that film. I hadn't seen it in so long and now I want to watch the trilogy. I think I'm going to watch I'm Eat, holding. Drink, Man, Woman because that's both on Tubi and Pluto. That's going to make me want really good food, I think. I was hoping for actually more food and wedding Yeah, banquet. me too. But maybe he just <laughs> takes that on and Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. Okay. Well, I'm going to find out. Maybe tonight. Me too. <laughs> me too. So in the meantime, everyone, thank you so much for joining us, for listening to us. Please do contact us if, if you have a, a yearning to do so, and we will respond to you. And be kind to one another. Take care of one another. Watch one another's back. Have a great month of June, a great month of pride. Good day, good morning, good night.